Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, I'm very honored. I was actually talking with my coach, uh, one of my coaches from high school the other day, and we started talking about this individual. And honestly, like the, the accolades that he has from everyone around him, everyone who talks about him, even when he's not there, which I think is the most important, uh, this guy, by every single person that was around and got to experience him at a young age, talks about the fact that he was the greatest athlete that they had ever seen. I was just talking with my coach this morning, and he said, honestly, hands down, the best he had ever seen in all the people that he had coached, which was amazing. Here are some, some of the accolades that, uh, that he has. Uh, he started in, he started off in uh, Kansas City and Leavenworth. He played at Cabrillo High School, which I'm the most excited about. I don't care about all the rest of this stuff, anything he could ever do. He played at Cabrillo High School, uh, my alma mater, which I thought was, uh, which I think was amazing. You guys will know him as the famous guy on Last Chance U. He's the assistant coach at LA, uh, uh, uh East Los Angeles College. This guy, honestly, is absolutely phenomenal, um, and I am so excited to be able to dig into his mentality, uh, into his mindset, and I want to welcome you to the show, Mr. Robert. Don't call me Bobby anymore, Robinson. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Hey, well, uh, I'm, I'm a pleasure to be here, Kelly, and to reconnect with you, and yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's been Robert since about 96, Kelly. I, uh, I was, anybody who calls me Bobby, I get nervous. I get real nervous because uh, that dude used to get into some trouble. So, hey, man, time, that's how it was. Time, yeah, everybody was like, if I if I get a call or somebody goes, "Hey, Bobby," I'm like, "Oh man, what? Uh, what like what happened? What uh, did I? What I do?" And so, uh, yeah, when I got my degree, I, I decided to go to Robert when I got a college degree, and then I just kind of turned the page on that and decided maybe to grow up a little bit. <laughs> Well, I got on the phone with you the other day and I was like, Bobby, and you were like, this is Robert. I was like, who the hell, who the hell is Robert? Give me that guy. Hey, give me back, give me back that shag and the minivan and the minivan. How how are you going to drive a minivan in high school and make it cool? Can we talk about that? Because I, there was another dude who copied you. His name was Rob that got another minivan and you yeah. drove a minivan. Let me say that again. A minivan in high school. Yeah. You had a shag and you had yeah. the most game I had ever seen. Talk to me about that. About the minivan. The, uh, my, we, we, my dad bought it, you know, as a family car before we moved out here. And then the day he said, I'm going to give it to you. I was like, Oh, like what the, like, I couldn't even believe it. Cause if you know anything about my father, like he had a, he had a Lincoln town car, he had a Corvette, like he had all the nice cars and he just, and I'm thinking this whole time, like, that's going to be me, you know, I'm going to be flossy too. And he shoots off this minivan to me, but I came home one day and he had put tires on it. He lowered it put running lights on the side. He took the back seat out, put speakers in. I was like, what the, I was like, Oh shoot. And all of a sudden this thing became something like I, uh, when I, when I gave it away, I was, I was thinking about just driving it to the Smithsonian and just leaving it there. And, um, <laughs> but, we, but, we, but we ended up giving that thing away to my, actually my stepbrother, but Hey, that man, that van was legendary and trouble. Oh, <laughs> I completely understand. I mean, but talk to me too, man. Like, cause you had the strongest shag that I had ever seen in my life. Like you had, I mean, it was not even connected to the head at all. It was like fade on top and then drop down. And then you had that mean, like it looked like a log, like a, like a sausage across the back, a shag, yeah. but you rocked that thing, man. Like you had it, you had it going. I mean, I, uh, 
Man, I, I, I can't, I, I think back a lot when I look at like, you know, the late eighties uh, and like 90, I, I look back and I'm, and I'm thinking like, what the, like, really, like, what was I, I don't know what I was trying to accomplish. Like with, uh, with that, I know it, I know at one point, like I was, believe it or not, I was kind of, I was probably conscious because I always had a big forehead. Right. And so when I was a kid, like uh, my parents are mixed. So I had really I had really good hair like as in that everybody, anybody will tell you growing up. I heard that more than anything else. Like, boy, you got good hair. But I had really I had really nice hair. And so when I decided to cut it off, it's like I couldn't let go of it. It felt like. And so I just kept some in the front and I kept some in the back. And I had like three different things going on. Yes. And now and now I look back and I'm and I'm like, I was I was I. I'm glad I didn't have too much up top because it had been horrible being the mixed Billy Ray Cyrus. That had been just horrible <laughs> looking back at that. <laughs> but I, uh, but the, but the shack, it's crazy how many people remember like, like the party in the front and the back I had going on. I wish I'd have cut it off earlier, but hey, it's, Shoot, it was the eighties, man. I mean, what are you gonna do? You know? Hey, but I think what's cool about it, Bob, is is you know that you made those things cool. And I, I I love this this part of it because the minivan, if you would have said anybody else with the minivan, but it's like you owned that thing. You owned the shag. For for those of you, and we will find a picture of this. I'm going to have Bobby. Send, I'm going to call you Bobby for the rest of the time, too. Oh, I'm, hey, anybody before then can. Yeah, okay. You got to pass. You okay. got to pass. I, I got to sure. pass. I'm, I feel yeah. good. I want to go over a couple of particulars, too, because this oh, is amazing. Sure. Like, your your track record, man, is, is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, to see you, I got a chance to be able to witness you, and probably one of my favorite times was when we went to Morningside. I say we because I just rode on the bus. You actually played, and you played against Stace Bozeman uh, when we went down there. You were you were the only person outside, like the only person that I didn't see like the fear of God in was your face. You rolled off the bus like we're here, we got a job to do, let's go do it. What puts you in that mentality? What helped you to be able to have that as a young kid? Oh man, I I would say it it, it was kind of like two, it's twofold and and one first and foremost is my is my father is my dad and um my uh my dad was like he was all business like he went from Vietnam to the police department to working in prisons and so uh he was he had a real strong like mentality and when we did sports he kind of he kind of brought that he kind of brought that out of me and. So my father's mentality, like to fear nothing was, was one of it, but the other one is, and my dad did a really good job of this. He put me in positions to fail sports wise from my like earliest memories. Like he never, he, I was, I was always the best at everything in my class. You know, when you know, you, you, you do something in third grade, I was the best, you know, what, it, what, it, unless it was like, you know, your multiplication tables, of course, then I wasn't getting that, but <laughs> the, uh, but, uh, but whatever it was, whatever sport we did, whatever I signed up for, I was the best on my team when it came to my class and my dad figured that out early and he even, you know, he would even fudge the numbers and do things. And I always played me up against older people. So I would fail. But I could compete with them, but I would I I was just wasn't the best because I was always playing against older guys and and uh, in older leagues, and uh, so that mentality when I got to like you know eighth ninth grade it really paid off because the moment I ran against guys because you know you get to ninth grade like the first day of school in high school you're automatically going against guys three or four years older than you like day one, and that's something I was very much used to and ready for. And so um, that, that helped me out a lot. And, 
and going different places as a young kid, like my, my, my dad invested so much into me playing like AAU back when very few people did, like you had to be really good to play on a real good team. And I mean, he took me to places like New York and Seattle and DC. And so I'd seen all these players across the country. And so I, I just, I just never feared, like I never feared losing or the opposition or a neighborhood or anything because I, he had, it hit me over the head or I'd been beat up as a kid, you know, as, as, as literally I'd been beat up as, as a kid. And, and so it's, uh, uh, when I got off that bus and believe it or not, I, I remember that trip so mm. well because it was my last high school basketball game. And, um, I can, I can, it's funny when I, when I, before I got on that bus, the coach at San Jose state was at that game. And, um, and he didn't know who I was. And he says, I don't know who you are, but you're going to, you're going to come play for me. And I thought I was, I was like, all right, cool. And I, I was going to get a scholarship and, <clears throat> and then came May and we we're going to do it. And he went in a different direction, but believe it or not, he ended up offering me a scholarship when I was in junior college, he offered me a scholarship when I left Stephen F. Austin, a guy named Stan Morrison. He's a good dude. Um, but I remember that game well, and some, and the, some of the guys we played against in that, on that Morningside team, I ended up playing against in college. And so I, so I ran again, I ran into those guys, but I remember that. I remember the finality of that game. And you know what I remember Kelly is your brother, um, Rob. And I have little memories of, of, of your brother because he's my point guard actually for like two years, like he played the point on our team. And so I always remember the point guards, but I was so, I was getting on the bus and I was dang near depressed because it was like the last game and I was and I got hurt that earlier that year because I only played in a couple not not very many games and I was playing with one arm and um and I wanted that that chance you know and I thought I could be so much better in high school and I remember your brother was like oh no you showed him tonight like Bobby like don't worry about it like what you did tonight you, you're, you're fine you're, you're gonna be okay you gave him a good show whatever it is and I remember feeling good about that on top of that with um what happened with Stan but that's my one of my Rob, that's one of my Rob Cardenas memories, uh, right, uh, right there. He did. He told me that night, and I always remember your brother telling me that before we got on the bus. Well, that that night, what I was going to say before before uh, uh, before you started in was the only other person that I saw that didn't have fear in their eyes was my brother. And oh, for sure. I but I watched you, man. I, I mean, I remember watching getting off the bus. I don't know if you remember this, but the co- our coach, well. I, I just got to go because my brother was there and I just got to ride the bus there. I think I was like, uh, you know, passing Gatorade or something like that. You know what I mean? But yeah. I still feel that you felt comfortable to go into that environment because I was there. You know what I mean? That I was there supporting, that I was there just in case. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, man. Just just in case some of the Inglewood blood started getting out of hand, you were going to be uh, oh, you were gonna there. Be right there. I was to, there, to man. Take care of that for us. I was yeah, there. For sure. But I remember, yeah. I remember the coach before we got off the bus, man. He was like, honestly, if you guys go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, do not go by yourself. Go oh, in a sure. go in a group. And they and they said as soon as we're done, there is nothing that you do except get right back on this bus. And, and he it, did. <laughs> what, what was amazing though, Bob, is you played at a at a in a way that it was almost like because I had watched you practice, I had watched you play at home games. There was injuries, which we're going to get into here in a second, but. That sense of calm that you did, is there things that, is there actionable things that the listeners out there maybe can do in their life to help them to be able to calm themselves and put themselves in a, in a place? Well, it's, you know what, I, I'm so fortunate and blessed that I, I don't know who taught me when I was younger to breathe. I don't know who did it. 
but even I, I've got a, I've got a knack for even when my heart rate is 180, I can, I can breathe, you know, I can, I can lock, I kind of, I can lock in and I've always been able to have it. I can remember many of basketball games in high school and college where, I mean, it's, it's thousands of people yelling and it's crazy and my heart feels it, but I'm able to stay calm. Like, like in, like in the moment, like these, 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 these players, like even you watch in these crazy environments, when they say, oh, he's cool and he's calm, he feels it. They, they feel it. Uh, it's just a matter of like kind of how, how you control it. And um, I, I don't know who taught, I don't know who taught me that. I've always been kind of laid back. I'm not a, I'm not a very, too much of an excitable person, like, like ever, uh, even now. My wife's like, I wish you just get excited about stuff. Like, like we'll win championships, like big time games and stuff, and everybody be jumping around, and I just, I go shake the coach's hand, and you know, then I, I come back. I'm happy for sure. You know, I'm, 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 I'm happy. But I think, uh, I think a lot of the calm too comes from, um, like in that moment, or when as I, or as I coach, is is that I have this feeling like. Like I always have this feeling like I'm not good enough, right? And so, like I'm, I'm always like, no matter how good I'm doing, it's like I feel like I could do better. And then it's like I kind of hear like, like my pop in the background, like hey, you got to work, you got to work harder. Like you got to, you got to do more. You like, like I don't care if you scored forty. You like, you got to work harder. Like that's how Ted was. And so I always kind of like feel, I kind of feel that. So no matter how excitable things get or how good I was doing or whatever, I was just like, all right, I got to keep working because you know I have to. I have to get better. Like it, when I was a high school coach and it took me forever to win a CIF championship. But when I won one, like right when it was done, I was thinking like, how am I going to win another one? Like everybody's jumping around and then everybody's jumping around and I'm like, yeah, you're jumping around. You're a senior, but I got to win another one. I'm looking around like who, like who's, who else on my team. And, and so it's, it's kind of that mentality. Like, you know, I, I feel like I just have to work like, like every day. So I'm not excitable, like kind of in that, in that moment. And, so to your point, when I'm down there at, at Morningside and I'm calm, one, I'm confident. And if you knew me, if you, if you knew Bobby, then you'd probably know I was probably overconfident, but I was, uh, I was heck, I was hella confident. And, um, you mix that confidence with like, you know, I, I'm thinking about what's next, like, like at all times and I'm locked in. And so is, uh, that helped me with my calm, but breathing i mean that's shoot that's it and uh even now when things get crazy like i'll whistle to myself like i don't care how crazy it is i'll start whistling a tune just to calm me down i will literally start with like things will get i avoided so many crashes on these la freeways because things will be going hectic and right when i right when i see it whatever i will literally start like whisper uh whistling like the Isley brothers or the whispers or something. It's for real. And it's, it's great. It's crazy. And my people, my wife will look at me like when things get hectic, I'll be, I'll just be humming <laughs> and it calms me down as I'm doing whatever it is that I'm, that I'm doing. Well, Bob, it's, it's incredible to be able to see the, the accolades. I, I alluded to them earlier, but I want to list off some of them because it's phenomenal. I mean, you had 20 seasons as a head coach of Notre Dame High School in Riverside. You had 360 wins, six league championships, three regional finals, a state yeah. finals appearance. I mean, most coaches that are at the level that you are, and now as the assistant coach uh, on Last Chance U with East Los Angeles College, like most of the coaches that are at your level or do it didn't do it and didn't play at your level. Cause most of the time players at your level can't yeah. coach. 
How were you able to mix the two and transition right into that? Um, well, I, I can definitely see why like players that play at a high level have troubles with the coaching aspect. Um, because when I first started coaching high school, um, I was still a player. I was pretty young. I, I just got done. I was in the USBL, which is the United States basketball league where I was playing and coaching on the East coast. And I came back and, and I just, it was pretty much, it was, I just lucked into a position at, at a high school. Somebody knew me uh, who knew somebody and they knew I was coming from professional basketball and oh, and shooter and a brother needed healthcare because my wife was pregnant. So I was like, all right, I'm, all right, yeah, I'll do that. And so uh, I take this high school job, but it was, um, it wasn't, I wasn't a coach. I was a player and I still had that mentality when I started coaching and believe it or not, I really didn't become like a successful coach until about the time. Like I, I finished my um, graduate school. Cause I went to, I went to, um, I went to graduate school and I studied instruction and curriculum and education. And once I, be, once I began to teach, I began to coach. Like you can, you can coach, right? That's it. Everybody, hey, do jump stops or do, do, do you know, you can do all that. And, and all hoopers know who that, that's not, that's the easy one. But being able to teach something to kids and then understand how kids learn or, you know, or how to put together a curriculum slash practice plan. Like once I started understanding that and understanding how objectives meet outcomes from an educational standpoint, I started utilizing that in basketball. And from that point on, like I became better at both. Like I, I started coaching more in the classroom and I started teaching more on a court and I, it, be, it became a pretty successful model. And, um, and that's kind of how I was able to transition. But if I never went through that process of, of learning about the various practices and personalized and differentiated learning, et cetera. Like if I didn't, if I didn't go through that, I think I would still be that player who's who wants kids to do it. Like I did it. Cause that's what, that's why they struggle. Like great players are like, no, I did it that way. You got to do it that way. Or how come you can't do that? You know, you're like, what the heck? But once I understood like, Oh no, everybody's different. And they're not like me which was hard because I wasn't like that when I started, you know, I was, you know, I was egotistical when I started coaching. Most of us get into it for the wrong reasons. You know, when I, when I started coaching, you literally be like, yeah, I'm going to play that team, you know, but then eventually you figure out like, no, they're going to play that team and I'm going to help them beat that team because it's their time, not mine. And, and I got that through, through teaching. And so that really helped me and prepared me to be a successful coach. So, guys, now we're going to actually take a, a pause for station identification. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Bob about how he was able to continue to elevate as a coach and start teaching on the court. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite companies in the entire world, the Mina Group. As one of the top culinary experiences in the world, celebrity chef Michael Mina and his team are dedicated to giving you what you never knew you always wanted. With 30 locations throughout the world, this company is focused on the one thing that truly matters, their people, and that is why they are your world of wow. Change your life by going to michaelmina.net. Hey, Bob. So we're, we're back now, and, and honestly, this, every single person out there that's listening is, is keying into this because when you talked about the – uh, difference between coaching and teaching it even for myself like you know and I, I've only coached my son at at four you know four years old five years old 
But a lot of times I'm out there like, man, we are going to smash this team. And I'm talking about, like, it's like I feel like I'm going against five-year-olds. And I'm like, yeah. I, will, I will handle these kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, would, I, would, I couldn't play in high school, but I'll get these yeah. kids right now. Yeah. Talk to us more about that transition and, and how humbling that was because, you know, when I see you, like, and, and me knowing you, it was when you said, I, I knew Bobby. I yeah. knew, I knew shag wearing, strutting yeah. to the minivan by right, yeah. Bobby, right? Yeah. But now I'm talking to this guy who is, you know, it, it, it's amazing the humility that you have and that you possess. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, it's, um, you know what? Because if, if uh, trying to play, but I, I tried my hardest to play at the absolute highest level in in basketball. I I did. I gave absolutely everything I had in the end. You know, I, I wasn't good enough and that's humbling. It, it, It really is humbling to be, to be at a high level and to push and to push. And I mean, I got close, you know what I mean? I gave it a good run, but I wasn't good enough. And that was, that was humbling physically. Right. And that, that was the beginning of that process. And then when you coach, it is very humbling because you'll lose games. You don't, you don't win them all. And, and it, you, you have to, it's, it's, you have to learn to lose. And that becomes, that becomes, you don't accept losing heck no, but you have to be like, all right, how, how can I learn? You know, how can I learn from this? But basketball is humbling as a coach and as a player. I mean, she's, she's a cruel bitch. She is. And she will, uh, that hey man, that girl, that girl will make you cry. She will break you down physically. She'll quite you. She'll make you question yourself. And and hoops humbled me, you know. And and nothing else could on the planet if you knew me. Like nothing else could humble me. Like absolutely nothing. And but basketball did. You know, it gave me so much confidence. But in the end, you know, it 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 showed me that I was human, very human, and just like everybody else around me. And so becoming humble you know, as, as I learned how to, as I learned how to teach that made absolute all the difference, like in the world as me, as a coach. And because hey, when you're humble, like you want to learn and like, I'd be, and it, it took me a while. Like I, I didn't like college, like at all. Like my kids they always ask me like, coach, what was your GPA? Even in high school, I was like, I was two point eligible. That's, that's what I was at like at all, at all times. Like, what do I need to get? And that's what I'm, that's my grade right there. That's what I'm going to get. And, you know, I really wasn't into it, but um, in the early 2000s, I started really taking responsibility, like for what I was learning. And, and at that point I became like a real lifelong learner and I picked up so many things since then. And I enjoyed learning and I just threw all that into my, my profession, my craft, like hoops. And, and when you're humble, you just want to learn and you want to learn and you want to learn. And so like, I don't care who you could be the fifth grade basketball coach. I'll come watch your practice and maybe I can grab something from that. I don't, I never walk in a gym thinking like, Oh, I'm better than this guy. And I can coach better than that. I'm like, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to figure it out. You can learn something from everybody. Even if they're doing stuff wrong, you could be like, well, shoot, I ain't doing that. Let me make a note of that. I'm never, I'm bad. You can always, you can always learn, but it, it's the sport itself. Like you can't win them all. And when I see coaches that are arrogant, you know, I, I look at them and I, and I think like, how, how do we not get past that? I understand as a player, I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have a, a sense of arrogance in you to be good. Like it, it borders, it really borders on like, like a good guy, bad guy. I, I say like every, every great player 
has a percentage of FC in them. And what that means is F coach. Like you have to be like, oh, F coach. Like I know he's telling me to do this, but I'm good enough to do that. You got to have a little bit of that. You can't have a lot of it, but you have to have like a, a, a little bit of that. And, and those are usually the, the best ones. And we all have that as players, but geez, as, as coaches, oh, we can easily learn. That's how you get better. You know, no one's reinventing the wheel. Every time somebody comes up with something, it's just because like, it, it's not a new plate. It's the same ingredients everybody else has. You're just using it and, you know, kind of, kind of put it together and, and so it's uh those losses humbled me and learning and being around other great coaches that was also humbling but it's just I just want to learn and so that when you want to learn like that like you open yourself up to you open yourself up to a lot of things and and that's that's where the humble comes from it's definitely not nothing I picked up in the 80s and 90s though <laughs> but it was uh when yeah, after after Y2K man things changed or or you know hey having kids will humble you as well <laughs> well, I, I agree with that one, Bob. Let's let's go back. Let's go back. You were talking. You alluded to the '80s and '90s, and I'm not trying to go back because you need to drive a Trans Am and go back to your high school with your Letterman's jacket yeah. on. Not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I do want to go back to is I, I remember talking to my brother, and my brother was such a, a phenomenal athlete, and I, I watched him grow, and. It was amazing because when I had him on the show, he talked about all the insecurities that he had that I didn't see, that that the confident Rob that was out there. And when I look at it, all I saw, again, was the strutting Bobby that that, that was going to walk onto the court. And and I remember, like, I remember you getting hurt and me being sad. Like, I wasn't sad about anybody else in school getting hurt. And I was sad because I loved watching you play. I loved watching you high jump. I loved yeah. watching you as a player because it really inspired me. So talk to us too about, because my brother told me this too, that more people would be inspired by the things that you, that you stumbled on more than your yeah. successes. Can you talk to us about that young Bob? Was there any insecurities in you at oh, that time? Oh, Were you battling? Battling was a, I was, I, I don't know when I, I see so many kids or, or when you get older and you've been around a sport so long and, and you see, you see a lot of injuries and you feel for kids. And I look back and I don't know if anybody like got hurt more than I did. And it was, um, and my, 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 my mom, my mom told me it was, she said, you, it was because I always thought like I could do stuff that your body isn't capable of doing. And that's why she goes, you just think you can, like, she goes, you just think you can run and jump over that. Or you think you can run through that, or you could just go do that. And I did. Like, I didn't think there's anything I couldn't do. I was, I was, I mean, it, and it's not to be like bragging. I was an incredibly gifted athlete at a very young age. Like I, I mean, I, I was dunking basketballs in games in eighth grade. I was, I was, I was, I was big. I was strong. I was fast. And um, I just maybe went a little bit too hard, but I mean, I, I had significant injuries. My, when we were in high school, uh, my junior year, I broke my ankle. My senior year, I broke my wrist. And, um, and when I came back, I probably was half the player. I was, I, I was, I played on one leg, one year and one arm, like the other, it, even my senior year, when, when we played, like I took that cast off myself. It, 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 it wasn't ready to come off. Like me and I told my dad, I was like, we're, we're playing. Like I'm not going to not play my senior season. It's only playing like last 11 games of that year, but we took the cast off myself and taped it up. I mean, thank goodness I didn't make it worse to where like, you know, I'm like, like this now, 
but uh, I I was going to like I was going to play and and that really hurt me because like I never really got a chance to 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 reach my potential you know and <clears throat> in high school as good as seasons I had as good as games I had it was so frustrating and so yeah there is a sense of insecurity about that because if you've ever played hurt it's hard and and you know you're not as good as you can be and and so you feel like man like. <sighs> Am I as good as these guys? I know I am, but I'm not today because my ankle's like this big. And and you're still trying to, you're still trying to fight through that. But that being said, I, I was still pretty solid in in high school. Um, from a basketball standpoint, I was much better in track because I never got hurt in track. Like when when track season came, uh, I just ran and jump. That's 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 all I had to do. I I, I they give me the baton and I'd run it across the line and then I jump into the I jump into the pit. And then I would, and then I would go for, for coach Davis, who I absolutely loved at, at Cabrillo shout out to coach Davis, man. The most incredible, the most incredible guy um, who actually, who actually uh, he's the only coach I've ever had. And this is important. Um, he taught me how to win. Like I've been winning my whole life, but you know, someone has to teach you how to win, you know, like, like I know you expect it, but there's a certain thing that comes with it when you're supposed to win and you win. Cause he's like, Hey, you're going to win the high jump championship. This is how you approach it. This is how you do it. Whereas before I would just walk out there like, yo, I'm winning this bitch. And then I would just jump. And then it would, then that's how it would go. But uh, he taught me how to win. I'm forever grateful for coach Davis with that, but track, I, was, I didn't get as hurt as much, you know? And and so I was pretty sick. I mean, I had a, I had a great run in track, you know, multiple CIF championships, almost one state championship once I was right there which is crazy in California if you know anything about track because there's only one champion. Like, that, you know what I mean? When you get to California track, there's no divisions. It's like you, you the guy, you know. So I got up there third on that podium one year. That was, that was, that was a heck of an accomplishment. But, but because I was hurt and I had some offers to go play hoops <clears throat> after, after high school, San Jose State was one, Sacramento State was one, um, along with various other uh, Division two schools. <clears throat> even some division ones back in the Midwest, there were some opportunities there, but my ego said, you know what? No, I should be like on ESPN. So I'm going to go to junior college for one year because I'll be healthy and everybody will see it. Right. Like everybody's going to see this. And Kelly, lo and behold, man, the first day of practice, I blew my knee out in college, the very first day of practice. And, um, and that set me back, you know, back then <clears throat> it's not like it is today. When you, uh, back then when they did a surgery, like today, you know, it's like detailed, like, you know, like, like back then, like Jason Voorhees showed up in the, in the, <laughs> in the, uh, in the room with a ski mask and that hatchet and was like, yeah, I'll fix this. And so it was, it was, it was all bad, man. So that surgery messed me up for 12 to 18 months. It, it did. Um, I didn't play basketball for almost a year. Uh, it was so hard to get back. Um, because if you, it, those who know, like it, those who watch me play, like before I before my knee surgery, and those who watch me after would seem two different basketball players. Like the guy before would just run around and try and dunk on everybody, beat everybody down the court, jump high, and but once that happened to me, I really had to change my game. And so, like I said, I couldn't play competitively for about nine to ten months. And so all I did was shoot around because I have to be in the gym and I turned myself into a three point shooter actually. And so uh, I, I changed the way I, I, I played the game. And, but right when I thought I was there, 
And at the end at the time I was committed to a school that was top 20 in the country when I blew my knee out, my, the plan had worked. I'm going to junior college one year and then I'm out. And I was committed to a team at that time that was top 20 in the country. And I was going to go play and I was ready. And uh, man, it was, a, it was a heck of a, it was a heck of a setback. And, and that right there was that the, the knee surgery was probably like one of, that was probably the hardest and most disappointing things I've ever had to go through. Like in, in my, in my entire life, man, it was, um, when I woke up from the surgery, they told me I had like a, a meniscus thing going on because they didn't even know how to diagnose nothing back then. And so when they go in and do meniscus, God, wait a minute, everything's torn. And so when I woke up, you know, I'm thinking six weeks. Right. And uh, they were like, no, man, this is this is a year. And uh, when I when I woke up from surgery, I mean, and you we talked about my father a little bit like he was in tears. And I wasn't, I didn't know what was going on, but he was literally breaking down in tears and he was so sad. And I was like, what's going on? And and then when they told me, it was like, it was, no, it was depressing. That was a hard year. It was depressing. Oh, that was, hey, that was tough. Cause one, I don't like school. You know, I'm, I'm going to class because either like, we only go to class for two things to hoop or chase women. I mean, that was the only way, the only reason you're going to go to any class, like anywhere starting in ninth grade for the rest of your life. That's just, that's, that's, I mean, that's why we brush our teeth in the morning. That's, that's why we go. Right. So, and I wasn't hooping and I was like, man, this is it, that, that was tough, but hey, I was able to come back from that. And I ended up getting a division one scholarship and I, and I played it and I played at Stephen. I played Stephen F. Austin and had some relatively healthy years, but my knee never, my knee never recovered. The, the, the knee never really recovered. I ended up having to get a couple, get it cleaned out a couple of times. Um, I think they did get it right though. In like 95, I, I mean, I got it. I got my knee kind of fixed up uh, in the summer of, of 95 and had a pretty good year. And, and that's when I ran track in college in 96. And so that's when I actually, um, I, uh, bro, national championship, right. And I made to the NCAAs, which is, which a Kelly, which is one of the craziest stories. Like, like I hadn't jumped in like five years. It had been like five years. Wasn't even thinking about track. My basketball season was over and I had a pretty good season and I was training to go. I was going to train and I was, you know, go play in this little league and, and this little league, uh, where you play professionally, you don't get nothing, but it's like the minor leagues of hoops. And I was getting ready for it. And um, I'm walking down the hallway at my school at UC Riverside. And this dude yells out like Bobby Robinson. And I turn around, I'm like, what's up? And he says, what are you doing here? I was like, I play basketball. He was the head track coach at UCR. And he goes, he goes, what are you like? Why are you here? He goes, you were the, like, you were the most sought after track athlete in 1991, like in, like in California. Like how come you didn't go play track? And let's, let's be a, hey, you want to know how dumb I am. Like the schools I turned down in track to go play junior college basketball, you could not even like, like Cal, you know, like Nebraska, Michigan, Oklahoma, Arizona. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go to Howland Hancock. I'm gonna go play basketball. <laughs> like, I was like, what, like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like, like, I'm a seven foot high jumper. You know, I jumped 24 feet in a long jump and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just, I'm gonna go play JC hoops, man. So the, uh, the coach, he's like, well, come out. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not coming out. I'm good. Um, I said, I play basketball. And then he says, uh, are you going to graduate on time? I'm like, Oh no, no chance. Cause I'd been transferred like three or four times at that moment. I'm, like, I'm not going to graduate college. Right. I'm like, there's no chance. And he said, uh, you, he said, uh, you come out and jump and I might be able to pay for your school next year. 
That's what he told me. And uh, so I was like, okay. And and you want to know what kind of student I was at the time? I had went to this school. I never even talked to a counselor. So I was like, hey, maybe I should go talk to a counselor about if I'm a graduate or not. And so that led me to go talk to a counselor who then told me none of my classes from Stephen F. Austin in Texas went to, went to UCR. None of them. Hey, two semesters, a winter session, two summer schools, like 40 some, 47 units. They're like, no, nah, none of it. I was like, wait, like, hold up, God. Like, I thought I was close. <laughs> and they told me, like, no, you're not graduating. And I'm like, well, screw the UC system. Like, what kind of system is this, right? So, uh, so I go back and I talk to this coach. And this is what he, this is what he tells me. He, we have a meeting with the athletic director. And the athletic director and the coach tell me, listen, if you can make it to the national championships, we'll pay for your last year of school. And I was like, well, what if I don't? They're like, well, then we're not paying for the last year of school. Like, they, they were like, you know, you, you got to figure it out. Like, you know, your eligibility is up in basketball. When your eligibility is up. There's no more scholarship. And so I went home and I called my dad, right? I called my dad and I called Ted and I was like, yo, pop, this is what they said. I'm thinking about leaving school and just going to hoop, you know, and just you know, get in my car and drive all over the country and figure out if I could play. Or I might be able to graduate from college. And they said, they told me I have to jump. And my dad says, and I'll say it, I'll say it in terms that are politically correct. My dad says, well, you just learned a valuable lesson. He said, in this world, when they say ninja jump, you'd say, how high you want me to jump? <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so I went back the next day and I was like, dude, like, dude, I'll give it a shot. Right. And it'd been like so long. And there was only like, like three weeks left in the season too, three weeks. So I go to like two or three track meets and lo and behold, man, one hot day in Bakersfield, bro. I don't, I don't know how I, 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 to this day, I don't know what happened. It was just, it was just a blessing. It was, it was just, I had a good day and I jumped over seven feet and I qualified for the uh, NCAA national championships in, in 1996. And so I was an all American at UC Riverside and they ended up giving me a degree the next year. And it was uh shoot it. It had all worked out, but it was, um, it was one of those things where your back's really against the wall right there. And it's like, yo, if I don't make this jump, I remember thinking like, if I don't make this <laughs> jump, I'm not going to graduate from college. <laughs> that was, that was pressure, bro. That was, that was pressure, but um, that was hey, that was a good year. That was one of the best years I had health wise. But the thing about injuries, Kelly, is that when you're hurt, you never get better because you're always just working to get back to where you were. And because I was injured so often from like 16, 17 to 20, like I never had a chance to really improve. I, I only had to, I could never work on my game because I was always rehabbing to get back on the court. And those are two different, those are two different things. So like, it was, like, it was a struggle. And when it came to the end and when I had to hang it up basketball wise, uh, that's that humbling experience we talk about. Like, you know, your body gives out on you and you just figure out, Hey, I'm just, I'm just not good enough. And uh, you just have to move on. Well, Bob, you are incredible. After this short commercial break, we're going to come back and talk about lessons from Ted marriage and how kids can humble your butt quicker than anything in the world. Heard that.
This episode is proudly brought to you by SamaritansFeet.org. I met Manny a homie probably about four or five months ago, and this man had such an impression on me. He told me that when he was nine years old, he had lived up until that point without shoes, and he won a contest, uh, got shoes, and it changed his whole entire life, inspired him to play basketball, inspired him to get a, a Division I uh, scholarship playing basketball and uh, succeed at a high level in his life. He then got to a point where he was so successful Successful, but he was looking for purpose in his life. Samaritan's Feet serves and inspires hope in children by providing shoes as a foundation to a spiritual and healthy life, resulting in the advancement of education and economic opportunities. When I asked Manny, why shoes? Why did you think that this would be so huge? And he said to provide a tangible foundation of hope and the opportunity for a better life, to prompt children to focus in school and families not to worry and to protect feet and decrease the possibility of getting a foot-borne disease. Since 2003, Samaritan's Feet and its partners have distributed over 8 million pairs of shoes in 108 countries and over 440 U.S. cities. And that's why I'm so proud that SamaritansFeet.org is one of the main sponsors of the Kelly Cardenas podcast because making this world a better place is our rent for living on this planet. Bobby, with with Manny Ahomey, that's the guy that has SamaritansFeet.org. I want to introduce you to him. He's actually the guy... He, you ha- I don't know if you've heard of him, but he is the uh, guy that organized the first NCAA uh, game nationally televised where no one wore any shoes. And, oh, really? And they yeah. did it because he's, he's from Nigeria, and he grew up up until nine years old with no shoes. And when he got shoes from winning a contest from shooting free throws, um, he ended up playing, uh, getting a Division One scholarship, playing all oh, those wow. things. And now he provides shoes all over the country and all over the world. Um, but uh, it's, it's going to be a great connection for you, too. So um, so I want to go uh, – I want to go to – I don't call him Ted. I call him Mr. Robinson. Big Ted. Hey, yeah. Because Mr. Robinson was legendary. This, yeah, was, yeah. this was a velour suit wearing, Jerry Curl having, <laughs> gazelle wearing inside yeah. the gym, clapping yeah. – Clapping like he was at church every time we were at the game. Can you talk to us about the, the, the lessons and the importance of Mr. Robinson in Bobby's yeah. life? Yeah, but my dad, um, my dad has always been my, he's been my biggest fan. I know I tell you, he was, it was, he was hard on me and he was, my Ted was tough, but back then they all were like all dads were because they, they were all in Vietnam, you know, it was, it was like, they all came from that. And so, Pop was tough. Yeah, he was he was tough on me, but he was by far my biggest fan. And I, I didn't realize like how much like how much he gave until I actually even had even had my own kids, you know, because like I never really needed for anything. Like my my dad, my dad made sure I always had like, you know, three to five dollars in my pocket. He made sure I had a car to drive. Minivan. Yeah, I had the van. The van. He uh Hey, as nice as his sweatsuits was, yeah, he bought me sweatsuits yes, too. Yes, he did. So, so is is uh, uh, but he was he was really important. And and thing about being a dad and, and how he was is that what you show him is so much more important than what you than what you tell them. Like we, you tell the kids like, hey, don't do that or whatever, but they just watch, you know. And 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 not to say my dad was the greatest role model because he wasn't. That that's that's not the case. But 
But what I did see is I saw a man like who every day, no matter what, got up and went to work like every single day of his life, like no matter what the circumstance was, like the man would not miss work. And he was just like, I'm out. I got to go to work. And then he would go to work. And I didn't pick up on that. And so I was an adult. And then all of a sudden I was that way, you know, and then I, and then I'm not going to miss work. You know, if I, if I don't literally like, if you're a high school coach or a college coach, if you don't go to work, like the prisoners take over the prison, like you have to be there like, like every day or things just go crazy with like with your team or, or, or the environment around that. But my dad's lessons and discipline, like they, like they really, they really paid off. And, you know, he did a really good job of, of teaching me how to release the rope every year of your kid's life. Mm. Because like every year he just kept giving me more rope and more rope and more rope and more rope. And, and it was like at the right pace. I don't even know how he knew how to do that, you know, but, but he did, and, and when you're in it, you know, when you're 16, you don't know it. You're like, I need more rope, right? I, I need more rope. And now I look back, I'm like, that was perfect. You know, that was the perfect, that was a perfect amount, you know? And so I, and I had learned that too. Like, you got to let kids grow. You got to kind of let them make the mistakes. You got to give them your time. And when I was, I can't tell you how many times in my adult life, like my dad will say something. And I'm like, well, how'd you know I did that? He goes, I knew you were doing that. Like, like he knew, right. But he was like, I had to let you go ahead and do some things, you know, I, I was like, what the heck, you know? And, and that's what I learned even with doing it with my own kids. Like, you know, I know, I know the trouble my kids was getting into when they was in high school or the beginning of college, but you know, I, I just, I kept it under wraps or kept it from control from a distance. And I, and I kind of understood that, but pop's mentality of discipline and getting up and going to work uh, was that had a lasting, lasting effect, like, like on my life. Um, he, uh, he taught me so much in, in, in that. And as a kid, you don't even, all I, all you ever hear is in a kid is when your parents are telling you don't do something. That's, that's all you really hear. Right. But you pick up on the things they do right for later on in life without them even saying it. And that's what I took with my, that's what I try to do with my own kids is just, you know, get up and go to work each day and work hard, make no excuses, like, like for anything and just grind. And um, I hope my boys get that. Like my pop had, had given that to me. I think one of the most inspiring, I mean, I talked about being inspired by, you know, the athlete that you were, the performer, all these things. But I think Bob, the, the, the biggest thing is most of the time when you have a person who has the type of talent that you have, um, not only in the playing aspect, but in the coaching aspect and the accolades and all those things, most of the time, that's not a good rela- uh, a recipe for a relationship. Probably the most inspiring thing is that you've been married to your wife for 21 years. Yeah. Can you talk about this and how, I mean, most of the time when a person performs at that level, then they, they even um, Tim Grover talks about it, that there's this dark side, right? There's yeah. this dark side to people. And he, yeah. what he was saying is you got to embrace it, all these things. But I, but I see you, you love your wife, 21 sure. years married, have three beautiful children. Sure. How are you able to have both sides? Wow. Hey, well, first of all, like 
you did call me Bobby. So then if you knew me, then you knew, like, <laughs> if you knew me, then you know, like, like the, like the over under was like two years on my marriage back in 97. <laughs> like, hey, I, hey, I would have been a taker on that. I would have, I would have been a taker on that, man. I would have been, nobody was taking the over. Hey, hell no. <laughs> hell, I wasn't taking, you say one, two, we weren't saying two years. We were saying two weeks. We were saying two weeks, hey, man. Hey, everybody, hey, when, hey, even if, even at my marriage, even if, if, when I had my wedding, even that day, like my whole team came, like all my whole college basketball team came. Couple, couple guys from Lompoc had come, and all of them was looking at me like, "Yeah, okay." Like all of them, like absolutely all of them. I mean, it's because even even that day, I kid you not, man. When I when I rolled up to the wedding in the minivan, no, I didn't have the minivan. You, didn't, you I didn't have the minivan. Hey, hey, I, hey, I stopped and played basketball on my way to the wedding. <laughs> Because I remember putting the, the pants on over the shorts, right? And and then even then, like, hey, my boys were out front. Oh man, this is they, they, this is how you knew like the over and under was too. I they were outside, they were drinking and, and smoking blunts in the front of this place. I kid you <laughs> not. When I when I rolled up, I sat on the curb and just hang hung out with them for like thirty minutes. And then they were yelling like, "Yo, you gotta take these pictures." I was like, "Oh, okay." And so I just like I got up and I went in. I went in there. <laughs> And I, like, I wasn't even taking it serious that day. You know, I, I, I wasn't. And maybe that's why it kind of worked out because I wasn't like feeling all that, like all that, all that pressure. But, you know, the truth is, is when, um, when I decided to get married, um, uh, when I decided to get married and I, it's not something I ever thought about. I, like, I thought about the day I decided like, Hey, maybe I should get married. Like two months later, I was married. I'd never thought about it one day up until that up until that point. But when that point came, I mean, I was just, dude, I was just ready. You know, I was, Hey, I was, Hey, I was ready. I was, um, I'd been a lot of places. I, I had done a lot of things. And, and when, when you're ready, shoot, you're ready. And she had a lot to do with it. Absolutely incredible woman. She's beautiful. She's smart. Um, she loved me. She, she, she take care of her brother. And so, um, and she had, Hey, she had incredible hair. I remember that. Like that's incredible. She had this beautiful hair and blue eyes. And, um, I was like, when I look back now, even at her, at like, there's pictures of us, like when we first started like dating, like down in Huntington beach or whatever. And I put this picture up in our room and she, I was like, why is that picture up? I said, cause that reminds me that like, I had no chance. Like I had no chance in this. Like the, the moment, like look at that girl. Like I had no chance. Whatever you said, I was gonna be like, yeah, all right, okay, all right, I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go and do that. But I literally had no chance, man. She, uh, you know, she she grabbed she grabbed her brother's heart, and I got married. And and then when you get married, you know, like for the most part, I don't care what nobody says. Like nobody like really wants to be married. So you're married. And so then what happens is you have kids, and you're like, oh shoot, now the bond is set, right? And then. Then you have another kid and it's like the bond is set. And, and then at that point I, um, and I'm not knocking anybody who's not married or got a divorce. I mean, everybody's in fact, if you're in a bad situation, I'd be like, go ahead and do it. I'm not even like you, everybody should stay married. That's not it. But for me personally, there was never going to be a day in my kid's life when they woke up and their dad wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That bottom line, there wasn't going to be, they, they were going to know their entire life when they woke up in the morning, pops is here. My dad is here and and they're going to have that blanket. They're going to have that safety. They're going to always know that. 
And um, so that that was one of those things where it kind of helped like like cement the deal there is that it's it's about the family. You know, it's 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 about it's about we got a rep for the Robinsons like like on the back and not to say like the wife don't have a lot to do with that because she's an incredible woman. So it, it made it easier to to do that. But yeah, man, it's. Every year, even I get married, like the homie, my boy Vince from uh, uh, Lompo calls me like every year. He goes, dude, you another year. He goes, I thought it was done in like 99. Like I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be over. And then everybody looks at me like, no way. You know, like, it, it, I was like, dude, like she had to leave you at least a couple of times. I'm like, nah, I never, I ain't done nothing wrong, man. Like, you know, I just, I just coach hoops. I just coach hoops, love the wife and the kids, man. That's just, that's, that's what I did. And, but to that point though, um, basketball played a huge part in that. And I'm going to tell you how, when I played basketball in high school or college, like I used to get in trouble, right? There's everybody knows that. Like I used to get in a little bit of trouble. I used to do some things, but I never gotten into trouble to the point where I couldn't play basketball. I always knew how to stop at that line. I was never going to do something to where if I went over there, I was not going to be able to hoop. And the same thing happened to me when I started coaching. Like I'm never going to jeopardize being able to coach basketball or be a part of this basketball community or influence kids' lives. So like I'll still, I'll run up to that line. It's pretty great. It can get great sometimes and I'll let some stuff slide, but no, I'm always going to be in a position to do that. So I'm not going to get in any trouble. I'm not going to do anything to to jeopardize that. So in that sense, like hoops kind of saved a brother, you know, whether it be high school, college, or, or the beginning of the marriage or, or all the way through. Like, I'm, I'm not going to jeopardize that. Like, I'm, I'm a baller. So, a baller's ball. Guys who say, like, yeah, I'm a basketball player, but they do things in their life to where then they can't play, they're not really basketball players. They play basketball, but it, it, they're not really hoopers if you're willing to jeopardize that. And so, so God gave me hoops and kids and beautiful long brown hair and blue eyes to keep me in line, and it's worked since, like, 97. After this short commercial break, we're going to come back and talk about the lessons that Bobby has learned from his kids. Another pause for station identification and shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Finley Cars of Las Vegas. I tell you, next level in the car buying experience, and not only that, but the life of your car, the service that you're going to uh, experience is incredible. It's Finley Volvo Cars. lv.com and also brought to you by uh, bling shine serum the only product on the market that will add weightless moisture strength and shine and the only uh, product that has the endorsement of my mama when i showed her all the features and benefits she smelled it and she said this is the greatest product that you've ever done and i thought mom do you not uh, look at the features and benefits she said no if it smells like that it must work and i tell you every single woman needs a little bit of bling in their life and this can be purchased at kellycardinasalon.com my show. This ain't your show. <laughs> this is your show, Bobby. What you doing? Watch so, out. <laughs> so what I want to uh, jump into is give me the top three lessons that your kids have taught you um, since, since, since they came into this world. Since, since my boys came. Well, they, you know, if you, anybody who has kids and you know, there's, there's a before and there's an after that is for sure. There's a life <laughs> before you have your kids. And then like whatever happened before, that's it. Like that's the wrap. That's it. And then there's a life. There's a life after. Uh, I think uh, one of the one of the lessons you really learn about your kids is um, is how to deal with everybody in the world because you figure out quick like how different your kids are and then how to deal with kids that are different. Like I got 
I have actually I have three kids. Um, two of them are mine. One I picked up a foster kid when he was eleven. Like this, he um, he came to he came to play with our with my own kids when he was eleven years old, and um, then he never left. <laughs> and so uh, I picked him up when he was eleven, and all the way through, and that fool uh, graduates college like in like a week. <laughs> so uh, I, I grabbed my man off the street. He's a good kid too. He played football at Whittier College. He's captain of his football team. It's been a great ride with my with my boy Meta. But you know, you have three kids, and and they're all different, and they all learn in different ways, and they all act in different ways, and. And what you learn like real quick is like, there's no perfect way like to raise a child, but like, there's like a million good ones. Right. And so you, you, you figure out like what each kid kind of, kind of needs and, and, and going through that process as has helped me deal with everybody around me because everybody needs something different, whether it be my players, whether it be an admin, whether it be teachers on campus that you're working with, um, like everybody needs something different, like in order like to succeed and no people are, are too and, two in the same. Um, I've always been a patient individual, but your kids teach you patience. And I'm, I'm, that is, that is for sure because like they try everything and they don't really listen. And so you have to, you have to like, you kind of have to accept like bad things are going to happen and how are you going, how are you going to deal with them? Right. Cause I got one kid like every year, like the principal was calling like every year without fail. He, he is calling like, he, this is what your son did today. I'd be like, Oh, man. All right. I'll go get him. And so, uh, so he get it. Absolute incredible kid though. He's a great, he's a great boy. He just, you know, he didn't like school too much. And so, um, uh, patience, definitely, definitely patience. And you know, the whole part of like unconditional love is real. Like no matter what they do, like you, you love them. Like no matter what, it doesn't matter what they say or what they do. There's still that underlying current of just crazy passionate love for your kid. And and when you have that, you know, it spills over to other parts of your life. Like you just have more love for, for other people. Like I just, I got love for everyone. And that comes from, it comes from just loving, loving my little men so much, man, that it was like, it, it just spilled over. It really softened. It, it softens you up. You know, I wasn't a soft individual until KJ was born. I wasn't, um, I was pretty matter of fact. And, uh, and then it, 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 the boys, you get a little kid, and then they, they, they really soften you up. So a little man softened me up, and it gave me patience. And, it, you know, it helped me to love everyone, like, around me, or just show love, like, to, to everyone, uh, show love to everyone around me. Well, Bob, I think one of the, uh, the ultimate things of humility, which actually brought you into a crazy limelight, is going from a place of being a head coach, and now you're the assistant coach, right? And right. But the crazy thing about that is, is that threw you into the national spotlight and international spotlight on Last Chance You. So can you talk to us about the, the – be, I, I don't know that you could have known that that was going to happen, not at in, all in taking that position. So talk to us about the emotions of taking the position, going from head, uh, head coach to go into, to assistant, but then seeing that this benefit, this exponential benefit, because everyone in the country now knows who you are and is connected with Robert. I still call him Bobby <laughs> yeah. Robinson with coach Rob. Yeah, it was, <laughs> um, yeah. 2019 was tumultuous. You know, I, um, I mean, in, in all terms, like I, was, I got fired, like from my high school job. There was a, there was a, there was a change in administration and a superintendent in the diocese of San Bernardino, and I was at a, 
I was at a private high school and um, for 20 years and they, they literally asked for a brother's keys. You know, they were going in a different direction and um, I'd done nothing wrong except just like win exponentially and, and do right by kids, but they wanted to go in a different direction. And that happens sometimes. And um, it was, um, yeah, it was a punch, man. Like I felt like a failure, no matter how, how successful I was at that moment you still feel like a failure, you know, when they take your keys and that's it. I mean, I, I thought they was going to name the gym after me instead. They, you know, they just confiscated my equipment. So it was, that was a rough day, man. That was, that was a rough. And believe it or not, when that happened, I was like, I'm, I'm going to coach college basketball. And that's why I was like, you know, it's, it's time. I, it's 20 years. I, I was going to do it when I was younger. Thank gosh I didn't, but I was going to do it when I was younger. And uh, I was like, all right, now it's time. And I, Kelly, I, I, I called, I applied and I emailed 150 colleges in like a six to eight week span. And only three got back to me only three and all three of those didn't give me a position. It's like, Oh dude, dude, I loved your teams in high school. We don't have a position, but Hey, keep working. Great job. And, and that was, and that was it. And um, I just was a mutual friend of mine that with, with the coach at ELAC who I knew who recruited my players at a former college, he says, Hey, this, the JC coach down at East LA is looking for somebody and they're good. And when I say looking for somebody like he, his coach is coach, like he, it's a good opportunity. And so um, I didn't even, I knew of John who's the head coach at ELAC, but I didn't know John. And so I went down there and uh, he was like, he, we had a good day and he's like, tell me if you want to do this or not. And that's when he said, listen, he goes, yeah, I'll give you like $8,000 a year to do this. And so, yeah. oh, hold, oh, hold, on, hold on. So are we talking in 1996? No, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in 2000, 2019, in 2019, 8,000. Okay. When you got, the, when, let me, let me ask you this, Bobby, though. Yeah. When you got this signing bonus, <laughs> were you thinking about getting the minivan back? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was definitely thinking what I was going to do with that five series in the garage. That was for sure. <laughs> oh, no, hold on. So eight, in two thousand nineteen, eight thousand dollars. That's what. Did, he, that's did, what the job paid. Did man. you He's ask? Crazy. Did you ask for it in quarters? Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I would have. That would have seemed like a lot more. I was, and and he asked. And he offered that, and I got in the car and I was driving home. <laughs> And I was like, well, there goes that, right? Like that's, there goes that because I mean, I could teach, you know, I have multiple teaching credentials. I can teach, I can get a job, you know, that, that's not, that wasn't the thing, but I wanted to coach hoops and I wanted to coach hoops at a kind of a different level. And so when I got home and I, I, I told, I told my wife and I was like, yeah, it's a great situation, but it's only 8000 $8,000. And I thought for sure she was being like, oh, well, hell no, nah. you can get you a job so we can stay in this house, et cetera, right? <laughs> but, I mean, she's an incredible lady, yo. And she knew that, like, I, when my sons were born, I could have went in a different direction and been an incredibly successful college coach. I was, I was the youngest head professional basketball coach in America in 1998, and I was on a different path. But when my son was born, I was like, nah, I'm going to go ahead and hang out and do this right. Right. I wasn't going to be city to city away from everybody. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it right. Especially because like I said, my personality is not conducive to not being home every night. So I was like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be there. 
And so when I came home that night, my wife was like, no, nah, you sacrificed for like 20 years for this family. And it's now it's like, we're going to sacrifice for you. We want you to go down there and do that. And so the whole family was like, yo, let's go pop, go do it. And so I went down there and I told the coach, like, I'm committed, dude, I'm going to come. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I have no idea what I was going to do or how I was going to make it work. Um, but I'm going to be here every day and I'm going to be a college basketball coach. And so about six weeks in, I'm in a cart. I was in like a, uh, I was in a, you know, the golf cart. Cause you have to take that around campus. East LA is a big campus. And so I'm on the golf cart with coach and he looks over at me and he's like, Hey, you ever heard of last chance you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, my sons are football players. I absolutely love that show. And we watch it. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I mean, they're going to come film our season. And I was like, what? I was like, for real? And our coach, if you know him, like, he don't know anything. He probably, until Last Chance You, he probably never even watched anything on Netflix. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, coach is different. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's this show. And he's talking. I'm like, do you have any idea, like, what this is? I said, how long have you known? And he had known the whole entire time. But he didn't tell me mm. because he wanted to make sure I was going to be there for the right, for the right reasons. And so six weeks in is when he finally told me, like, this was going to this was going to happen. And even then, like, you know, you, you don't know the impact or the significance or something like that. Or, or even when they start filming, they just start filming. Um, which is real weird at first, because I mean, I would get out of a car and they would mic me up for eight to 10 hours a day. Um, there's always cameras around. Um, but you do get used to it. Like they just started filming Monday for season two. They just started filming Monday and now, like, I'm an old, I'm an old, you know, I just, like, I'm a veteran. Like, I pulled up. I'm like, hey, you know, hey, hey, what's up, Devin? Hey, Adam, what's going on? I can put on my mic or whatever. And then the camera gets on me, and then we just go to work. Like, we just, we start going around. But even during that season when it was going on, like, I didn't even understand what was going on. I was just coaching, and I, and, and we didn't, we didn't feel like it was going to be that big a deal. We didn't even think it was going to be a good show because to everybody else, this is like, it's this incredible storyline with these kids. And like, for us, it's like Tuesday, it's every day. Like you're dealing with this, like all the time. It's just a regular day. It's practice. His fool's getting, his fool's getting arrested. It's baby mamas. It's nobody passing classes. It's, you know, not showing up to practice. It's just a regular day, you know? And, uh, but uh, when the show came out, like it really, it did, it, it really changed. It really changed some things. Um, uh, it's something I wasn't used to. Uh, I, that is, that is for sure. Now, something I was used to when I was younger, like, you know, if I was, if I was in Vandenberg village and I stopped to get something, they'd be like, Hey, yo, Hey Bobby, or even like old people would know me because they would, they just knew. Right. So I hadn't had that in a long time, but like, I knew it was different. Like the show had come out for like one week and I was at an airport in Kansas city. And during, during the show, during the show, in one of my stories, I was like, it talks about how I'm trying to become a full-time teacher on East LA's campus. And it's very hard and I don't have a job and I'm grinding and I'm doing everything I can so that they'll give me uh, some employment. Right. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. And so um, I'm in the airport and I'm sitting there chilling and this dude walks up to me. I have a mask on. And this dude walks up to me and he goes, Hey, Coach Rob, man, I sure hope you get a full time job soon, homie. And then he just walks off. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, He didn't talk hoops. He didn't talk nothing. He goes, I sure hope you get a full time job. Wow. Wife, I'm like, Hey, some random dude, man, is pulling for me to get a job, yo. Like, he, he, had, <laughs> he, had, 
and watch the show, you know? So it's, uh, so it, it has an impact, especially in basketball gyms, like every basketball gym I went in, in the last six months, like I'm recognizable. And that's, um, that's been, that's been different. That's been different as well. And, Thank God this didn't happen to me when I was younger because, I mean, I'd probably, who knows? Oh, my God. Can you believe, can you believe something like this happened to me back then? I'd have been, oh. worse, than, I'd have been worse than Kanye West out here, oh yo. It'd, I'd, have, I'd have been crazy. But but now it's like, you know, I'm just um, – I enjoy talking to everybody and, and, and helping them in their journey, basketball-wise or whatever they're kind of getting through, kind of what I went through. And so – I was definitely ready for when this happened to be able to use this, you know, in a positive way. And, and I'm, I'm at a good place now to where I got a little bit of a platform where I can help out kids and other coaches. So after the break, guys, what we're, when we come back, we're going to talk to Bobby, not Rob, uh, about, <laughs> about how his wife constantly humbles him. Oh, geez. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Now's the time to do some shameless promotion. This episode is brought to you by Squeeze Dry, the delicious, no-hassle way to get superfoods, vitamins, and nutrition. SqueezeDry.com. It's also brought to you by Cardenas Law Group, a high-level boutique law firm for all your personal injury needs. That's CardenasLawGroup.com. Thank you so much again for listening. Hopefully, you're continuing to enjoy the episode. Bobby, yo, when the, when the, when the cameras hit and the, the things like, I love the fact that the guy rolls up to you and says, I'm pulling for you to get a job, man. I mean, because <clears throat> at any other time, if, if you're not on a TV show and somebody says that you're like, why don't you get out of my business? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you want to, yeah. you want, you want to do that. Yeah. But with this kind of, I mean, with this, this newfound celebrity, this newfound fame, I mean, people are knowing who you are. Tell me a specific time where, where, where your wife wasn't giving you rope, where she reeled you back in. Because a lot of t- I have a wife like that, that honestly, like when I get off the road, I'll come back yeah. and yeah. I'll roll in thinking that my wife like maybe wants to take a picture with me or yeah, hang yeah, with me. Right. And she's like, yeah. take the trash out, oh, shut up, sure. do the dishes. Yeah. Talk to me yeah, about my, it. Uh, yeah. They, there's Kids. We talked about how humbling kids can be, but the, your wife, man, like mine, especially like I'm daily, I'm questioning, like, do I even look good anymore? Like, am I, am I, dude, am I attractive? Like, like, I'm trying to, trying to figure, like, I know I don't look that bad. Right. You know? Uh, so it's nah, she, uh, uh, she can be very much like that. But when, um, like, we'll like, we'll be out and people will recognize like a lot of, I mean, a lot of times I'm recognized, like, I mean, just in target, like I just in target, like I'll stop and talk to five people about the, about the show. And I mean, she is not even the slightest bit impressed. Like, like because she's known me for, for all this time. And like, we will be at target and she'll interrupt the conversation to say something like, no, you know, your kids need deodorant. Like you need to go over there and go, she'll interrupt the conversation. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hold up. What up? Hey, go get some old spice deodorant for your kids and then go pick up that. I'll be like, okay, babe, I'll be, uh, I'll go. I'll go right back, but it's, um, yeah, she, she can be, she definitely keeps me grounded, but at the same time, um, I mean, she's, she's like the force that pushes, pushes me upward, you know, but, but keeps me, keeps me grounded. And, uh, it's the same thing. Like I, no matter what it is, I mean, I still got to cook. I still got to do the laundry. It's a, you still have to, you still have to do all those things, but 
she definitely humbles a brother, man. She, yeah, yeah, she does. She has a, she has a knack of, of making me feel really wanted and unattractive at the same time. That's for sure. <laughs> so tell me, uh, tell, talk to your wife right now. Tell her something that she doesn't hear enough from Bobby and something that she doesn't hear enough from Robert. Well, you know what she didn't hear from Bobby was because <clears throat> that's when she met and when she had, she had met Bobby. <laughs> that is for sure. I don't think she understood like the impact she had on me in that. Like when, 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 when we first met, um, whereas like, uh, I, uh, like my mentality kind of changed and she was, she was kind of the, she was, she was the reason for that. Like I was, I was kind of wild and I was kind of running around and she brought a sense of maturity cause she was, she was, she's not older than me, but she graduated way before me because I was, I was on the six, seven year college plan, you know, <laughs> where she was there for like three and a half years. So she's younger, but older, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, so like when we're dating, like, you know, she's like a, she's like a teacher, like with benefits and, you know, she has, she was, she was mature in that situation. And, and what she didn't hear enough back then is like how grateful I was to have that opportunity. Like, just <clears throat> like, just to be in that, like to be in that situation, you know, cause, cause, you know, she could have been like, uh, you know, I'm too old for this. Like I got a job. You know, I'm a, I can't be messing with you, you know, like, I, did you, were, were you, think, were you thinking like, Hey, someday, baby, I'm gonna bring home $8,000 in one full year. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you just hold on, if you just yeah. hold on, I got that eight coming for you. Yeah. I mean, in 1996, dude, I was a short-term investment. Like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just put it out there. Like I was, I, I was, dude, I was a short-term investment. I was definitely not, wasn't playing the long game with me back then. And you know what she did? Like, like she, she did. And she did in a way, and she needs to know like how special she is for just pulling that off. Right. Just, uh, just to pull, just to pull that off. And, and what she doesn't hear enough today is like how, how grateful like I am for her being like, like I'm the coach, but she's the assistant. She really is the assistant coach. And if you're any good at this profession, you can't do it without family support. It's, it's absolutely impossible without family support because when your young kids have got to be places, you know, they, you got kids all over the place and, and like my son has to be here and my other son has to be here, but I got 12 kids in a van going here. And so she has to be your, 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 your significant other has to be that assistant coach. I mean, she makes cookies for the team. They, she cooks for the teams over the years. She's at every game. She knows the players. She knows their GPA. She knows their English scores. <laughs> like she knows it all. Cause she wants to be, she wants to be part of that. And, you know, and I'm bringing straight kids home all the time, like for the last 20 years. Um, I, I almost every year I bet I've had to, house somebody in the last 20 years and so uh she's always door open like who we got who we taking care of who we feeding who we getting from this place to that place like like she she never wants you know was like why like why is this why is this six six dude in our living room for the last five weeks like she's (laughs) she's never she's never that right she's she's always that but she doesn't hear about how good assistant coach she is she's an incredible assistant coach i know i'm the coach and I know, like, I was the kind of the person, like, on the show, and I'm kind of out there. But, like, her, like, her impact allows me to impact people. Her impact on me allows me to do, like, what I do at such a high level. And, man, I appreciate that young lady for that. 
So Bob, two part question. Number one is <clears throat> when you see athletes, right? So when we're watching Last Chance You or we're you know, we're watching I mean, for for anything, you're you're watching uh, the last dance or you're watching yeah. these things. You see these incredible athletes, and it doesn't seem like there's that much difference physically between the the greatest and the 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 person who maybe doesn't make it to the greatest. What yeah. is what and, and physically it's literally like millimeters. Yeah. What's the difference? The um there's a lot that goes into it. And when you get to a certain level, everybody is incredibly talented and gifted with size. Like, like, like the NFL preseason just, just finished. Right. And everybody just cut like 20 guys from the team and all 20 guys can play in the NFL. Every single one of them can play and be successful in the NFL. You just had an NBA draft where there was two rounds drafted. Half of those guys are not going to play in the NBA and every single one of them are talented enough to play in the NBA. A lot of times it's, it's situation and fit. Like there, there's some guys who are just supremely talented period. They're going to make it, you know, there's, there, there, there are those guys and, you know, LeBron James, of course, being, being one of them uh, where like, I, he's just going to make it. But half of those people that you see doing this at a high level, baseball, basketball, football, even when you see the Olympics and those incredible athletes, like there's somebody just as good, you know? Um, but it could be injuries. Um, it could be opportunity at a place like you could, like you could go to the wrong school and, and for your sport and then not develop in a way to where another kid went to another school and he develops in a way to where he got that millimeter on you. Mm. And that's literally what it would come down to. Um, but a lot of times it's just opportunity and believe it or not, it's just dumb luck so many times, man. Um, one of the kids I coached in, in, um, high school, uh, he was a great football player. He was a really good point guard for me. So he ends up going to the university of Washington and he was a running back. And so he's a running back and he didn't, and he wasn't going to play defense, but he was a running back, but he's like third or fourth on the depth chart. And so they asked him to play defense. And he was like, no, I'm not going to play. But right before the first game, like the week of, it was crazy. Like a kid blew his ACL. Another kid got kicked off the team. And then another kid like hurt his ankle. And so they moved him over to defense for like the first game of the year. And he's, it's a Pac-12 school, right? And it's a big game and he kills it. And three years later, like he's drafted like in, in the NFL. Whereas like if he instead of Washington, like if he went to like UTEP or Arizona state to play running back, he'd have just been running the ball and who knows what would have happened there, you know? So it's just, it could just be, it could be dumb luck sometimes, you know, and things just happen but you have to be ready when your opportunity gets there. And that's the key. Like everybody, everybody's talented. And if your opportunity is only like this much, like if your opportunity is one minute, then hey, you better sing for that one minute. Mm. Yeah, that's all you get. And some dudes get more opportunities than others. That's just life. But it's going to come. If you grind hard enough for long enough and you stay in the mix and you stay disciplined to your craft, at some point you are going to get a shot if you're any good. You're going to get a shot. I don't know if that shot will be at a high level, at a medium level, but you're going to get a shot. And if you can do something with it, then you can keep the party going. And that's what I tell my kids at JC. Like, you don't, you don't know. You're going to get a chance here. You're going to get a shot. Like, when you get it, what are you going to do with it? Like, what are, you gonna, are you going to do it to go to the next level? Or are you going to waste it, you know, and go back to city of L.A. and just be hanging out at the park, getting buckets? So, Bob, <clears throat> talk to hey. Yep. I love that. I love that because I see never would I have thought 
meeting you at, at such an early age with this, you know, crazy talented that you would be holding on to that little poodle and be talking to it in the, in the little, in a little voice, right? That, that, that thing has, yes, I could see that. Uh, yeah. Those, those are my dogs, man, right there. Those are my dogs. So a question that I have for you, and I asked my brother this. So could you talk to the athletes out there? Right now, so when we when you look into the screen, give me one minute talking to the athletes because my brother and I were talking about this, and one of my biggest challenges is I watch amazing athletes, but they don't have a long term thought process in their head. And probably one of the best examples of it is Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose played played at a super high level in college. He played at a high level in the NBA, not as high. But now to see Jalen Rose, he's on, his trajectory was crazy, and he was thinking long term. Probably one yeah. of my biggest inspirations. Can you t- give me a minute? Talk to those yeah. athletes out there that are not thinking long term. Yeah, the um, man, that's. That's this is so much the key is that when we're basketball players, we're we're thinking like basketball is the end game while we're playing. And what we don't realize is that basketball is the tool to get us to what we're going to do in life. Like that's that's what we're doing. Right. It's not it's not we're not when we're hooping, we're like, oh, I'm going to hoop. I'm going to do that. But no, like basketball was the tool because like no one cares about a kid who can't run, jump and play. Like they don't, but because they did, they paid for my college. And so I was using basketball as a tool, you know, to get a degree. And then I use basketball as a tool, like to get a graduate degree. And then I use basketball as a tool to meet all of these different people and connect. And it's the tool. It's not, it's not the, it's not the end game. And so many young players, like they just hoop. And then when it's over, like it's over, like when they get done playing, like that's it. And when you're done playing, it is, it is brutal. Like uh, you go from playing, like you go from playing, like at the university of Texas against Texas, you're playing basketball. Right. And there's people everywhere and, and you're on TV and you're hooping. And then like a year later, like I can't get my wife, like, like to go to a Y game and watch me play. Like she, I can't, you know what I mean? I can't even get her to go to the rec game to watch me play. And like, a couple of years before that, you know, you're on ESPN two hitting threes, like you're like, and so it's when it stops, dude, it, it stops. And, and I wish like we put just more of an emphasis and telling kids like, heck yeah, you'd be the best you can be right now and get everything out of these four or five years, because that experience is so important. Cause that, that athletic experience that I had, you know, that athletic experience that your brother Rob had, like those memories have to last us a lifetime because when it's over, it's over. And when mine was over, oh, shoot, hold up, hold up. When it's, when that, when, when the ball stops bouncing, we need to prepare those kids for like, no, no, no. It was always going to stop bouncing. That that was always going to happen. That's the case. That was the given, but see, this is what we did for you. So now you can be successful, like, like going on. And this is the discipline that, that we taught you. And this is what you learn. And this is why you got up at six o'clock in the morning. Cause for your job, you got to get up at six o'clock in the morning. This is how you deal with people in a working environment. This is how you collaborate. This is how you deal with losses. Like just using that tool to better, like to better yourself. And I wish we could just tell kids like, yo man, sports ain't the end game, bro. That's just the launch board. So what's next for Bobby? Oh man. Uh, I'm going to be a college basketball coach. 
that's that's what's next. I'm going to be a college basketball coach. Ult- ultimate school. Ultimate school. If you could pick it right now, where would it if be? If I could pick any school in the world, um, I would like to be at, at any school. I would think maybe something like a Wichita State, Creighton, like something in the Midwest that's not in a power five. But if you get dudes, you can beat the power five. Mm. Like that's kind of like I would like I would like to be at something like that. That's a long ways off, but I'm going to be a college basketball coach. Um, uh, this assistant thing is, man, it's been the greatest experience ever. And I've learned so much. And what I learned about my first year being assistant college basketball coach is that I wasn't ready to be a college basketball coach. And now I'm preparing myself <laughs> to be one. Like I'm going to be ready. Like when I get my one minute, yeah, it's on, like, it's going, like it's going to work. And, uh, the show has helped out greatly. I've had some opportunities like to be a, uh, a JC head coach or, or an assistant coach at the division one, division two level in the last six months. But um, I decided to stay one more year with, with ELAC and do season two with, um, with last chance you and, and try and win a championship with coach Mosley, which I committed to. I was like, dude, we're going to win one. So let's win one. Um, but you know what? Kelly, I don't even worry about what's next. I, I really don't. I have a, such a sense of calm around me. It's because, like, I'm just going to win. I just – I'm into winning today. And I know that if I'm great today, it's all going to happen for me later. I'm not even worried about it. Like, I, I'm going to be great for these kids today. I'm going to be great for this program. We'll be successful, and it'll take care of itself. You can't be great and not win, right? So, I like, like this – I'm going to be great today. I'm going to be the best I can today. I'm going to service everybody around me. I'm going to make you better. I'm going to make my players better. I'm making everybody better today. Tomorrow I'll do it again. And in the end, they're going to have to give me one of these jobs. And then it's on. (laughs) Bobby, talk to your fans out there as far as the people watching Last Chance You. Can you give us a little bit? I mean, can you you give us something uh, from, from, from the new season? Can you give us? New, can you oh, give hey, us a little something? Yeah, I, I, I can actually. Um, incredibly talented group. Um, we're big. We're strong. We can't shoot a lick, but we're big. <laughs> we're strong. We're highlights. We're talented. Um, I can tell you that the stories will be as the stories will be as enthralling as as the last because it literally JC basketball at a high level literally is these kids' last chance. Like you're not an elac. And you're that good unless something horribly went wrong in your life. And so that's what we're working with every day. And that's what you'll be able to see in the next season is us getting a whole new cast of characters from point A to point B. So they can they can move on with with their life through these troubles. Can you still cross a couple of them up? Oh, man, my body doesn't work anymore, man. I, uh, I can't yeah, none, none. No, you oh, can't cross them I mean, up. No, I can't. I mean, I can come off a screen and hit a shot. Okay. Um, and when we go one on one in the post, I'm pretty crafty still. Okay. I can, I can still, I can use my footwork with my up and unders and stuff. But you got to remember, like these, these, these ain't high school kids that I'm messing with. Like this afternoon, uh, we got two seven footers on this team. Mm. This is real. These dudes, when I'm doing it, I got the bag in the post and I'm banging on them. They turn over. I get dunked on like 20 times a day, like in this, in this, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it. yeah, it's rough out there, man. But hey, the absolute greatest job ever. I mean, I, I go to a gym and I coach basketball and I get to help young men. I'm the 
man, I'm the most blessed person in America. Well, uh, the reason why we started the podcast was because iconic people like you, I wanted to take people like you, Bob, and I wanted to show my kids that anything in their life was possible as long as you had the right attitude and the uh, right work ethic. Maddox is nine years old. McKenna is 12 years old. If you could use both of their names, Maddox and McKenna, what advice would you give to them, Coach Rob? Oh, um, it's, uh, especially in terms of athletics and academics, I try hey, everything. Hey, Coach Rob, I know you're a celebrity, but I just yeah. said say their names. And you oh, didn't say oh. their names, man. I don't oh. care if you're on every TV show in the world and people oh. are asking for your autograph yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're going to be a Division One coach at I Wichita, I, I got Maddox. It. I got it. And McKenna. Maddox, Maddox and McKenna. If I can, I'm talking to Maddox and McKenna <laughs> right now. Hey, Maddox and McKenna, sign up for everything. Play everything. Explore everything academically. This is like the time in your life where you get to do it all. And so many kids, like, they'll just lock into one thing when they're young. And I see the mistake all the time. And I just wish, like, everybody would have done like if you want to draw, draw, if you're into science, then, then go to that camp, you know? And, and as parents, like, I, I wish somebody would have sent me to science camp instead of basketball camp, you know, it, it, I, I never, and I was interested in some of those things. And, and then in sports, like, like play them all and be around like uh, all kinds of different people in sports and you get to be around different cultures and races. And like, it's, it's play everything, do everything like why you can and then lock into something when you're older and you have to like just play it and have fun. Bobby, you have been absolutely, I mean, uh, you have exceeded every expectation that I had and I had a ton of expectation on being able to spend time with you today. Seriously. It yeah. has been, it has been absolutely a, a pleasure to be able to have you on the show. Uh, now's the time where if you're listening out there, you click the links, you check the sponsors, you do all that stuff. You need to be watching last chance you, if you're not already. Um, and you need to follow this man's journey. If you see him in the airport, please, uh, tell him that he should get a job too. Um, <laughs> that, that would be, that would be amazing for me. Um, but Bob, seriously, like, you know, every person out there got crazy value and everybody out there share this with all your friends. Um, what would be something that you would say to a, a piece of advice that you would give to every single person out there listening? Anybody, oh, anybody's out there listening is to, uh, you always think about what's going on later, but just lock into the moment, like right now, especially with the people you care about, like around you. And for me, that's, that's my, my media family, my boys, my wife, et cetera. But it's also the players that I coach um, at the coaches that I coach with, like, I'm really about them today. I really am. And, and anyone out there lock into the people that you care for and take care of like every day, like around you while you're building towards something, but don't worry about tomorrow. Just be great for them people today and it'll all work out. Bobby, you are officially off the hot seat. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>